Welcome to episode number 175, The Suffering of Our Youth and Young Adults. I am your host, Damon Soka. I read an article this last week reminding me of the difficulties young people face with mental illness. The article specifically referenced teen girls, but the statistics are staggering for youth and young adults. While they vary depending upon the group you study, mental health challenges for youth and young adults can reach up to almost 40% nowadays. If you mentor youth or are a parent, your odds of working with someone struggling through an episode of depression, anxiety, PTSD, which is really a trauma form of anxiety and depression, or bipolar are actually very high. Our current world is a complex maze of opinion disguised as fact. Increasing social pressures to look and feel a certain way, parental pressure to excel, religious pressure to be perfect, and finally, attempting to find an identity through an ever-increasing dialogue of overload of information. Current young people face serious amounts of stress and anxiety over what their reality is, and it is important to see it through their eyes and not through our own more experienced ones. Reality is how we view, interpret, and define the world we live in, and that Reality is a function of our brain, reading sensory information, interpreting that information, and then accessing those experience and history files in our brain. And with that, they create a reality through our emotions and feelings. That truly complex process happens instantaneously with us and without us really thinking about it. There exists a whole science to it that I'm probably not going to discuss today. What is important to the idea of a young person's reality is their experience and history, and then the emotions that are created from what they understand, know, and experience. While we might think of our experience and history as some type of filing system where we keep facts, pictures, and knowledge, the reality is that we store far more than just facts and figures. We store emotions in our memory. When you review experiences in your life, you cannot help but bring emotions with it. That is just a part of who we are as human beings and mortals, and as spiritual beings, I believe. We experience our reality in emotion, not facts or pictures. Whether you believe that or not, everything we do revolves around our emotional state. Feelings and emotions are how we interpret that sensory information. Sure, we keep facts and figures, but it is our feelings that drive and motivate us to act and record our most core experiences. Our body transmits emotion to us that we interpret as feelings. And feelings are what cause us to act in different ways, depending upon the situation, the context, and the experiences we possess. While we adults have a reservoir of experience and emotions upon which to draw, young people do not. Young people must build a reservoir of experience that is connected to their emotions. When you think about the story of the ten virgins, the key point in the story is that the spiritual oil cannot be transferred one to another. To understand why, you must understand the role that emotion plays in the process. We can impart knowledge through words, pictures, gestures, and really a host of outward symbols. But what we cannot impart is the emotion attached to our spiritual experiences. And it is the emotion that cements the concrete. You can place all the dry elements of the concrete into a pile and wait. 
and you will wait for eternity. But without moisture, it will always remain dry or a dry, useless substance, unable to carry even the slightest of weight. But once you add the water, or the emotion in this case, that pile of dry chemicals suddenly becomes the substance of foundations upon which nearly every building in the, in the world is built. Transmitting knowledge is important, as it is part of our learning process, but nothing will stick until emotion ex the emotional experience occurs. Emotional and spiritual foundations are built through the those dry cementus materials, which are knowledge, facts, and figures, and then made firm by the water, which is our emotion. Now think of Alma the Younger, who in his youth did not much care for the church or its teachings. He even became a significant hindrance to the growth of the church, with his father serving as that church's spiritual leader, the prophet. When the angel came to him and talked to him of destruction, it was not the words that caused him to quake. No doubt his father had already imparted the exact same words countless times. It was not the personage of the angel that caused him to fear. The, the angel, through the Spirit of the Lord, caused him to feel and have a deeply emotional experience about his past life. He understood sin from the emotional experience. The experience brought upon him what we call the pains of sin. Now that pain is that disconnect between his pre-mortal spiritual experiences and his current emotional experience. We find the same experience when he is forgiven of his sins and when he remembers his father's words about a savior and that savior's ability to heal from sin. It was not until he cried out and experienced repentance and those feelings of joy, peace, and spiritual understanding that he fully internalized it. His father's words were only important in the sense that knowledge created the space for the emotional experience through the Holy Ghost. It was the emotional experience of feeling serious remorse for sin, then feeling the peace of forgiveness that provided Alma his necessary spiritual foundation to eventually become the prophet of the church. He then drew upon that experience the rest of his life. No doubt his father had preached to him many times the words of the Savior and his gospel, but it was not until he experienced it that it became a part of his life. When you later hear Alma recount the story to his sons, he noted the emotional part of the experience and how those <clears throat> emotional moments made a significant change in his life and his experience. It is so incredibly important to understand that youth and young adults have not built this reservoir of emotional experiences. That is key to understanding mentoring youth and youth that have mental illness. They must experience the gospel through emotional experiences. Yeah, they need the knowledge, but until that knowledge is firmly enveloped in emotion and stored deeply in the spiritual brain, it will not be a part of their reality. It is so very important to understand that youth are still attempting to understand and define their emotions and feelings and their meaning and context. For instance, I can tell them to love your neighbor. Love, in that sense, is an emotion, and we can describe it to someone, but the reality is that the emotion of love or peace or pain or really any emotion is truly individual, meaning I can show love by my actions, I can describe it to you, but I cannot make you feel exactly what I do. We cannot transmit feelings to one another. 
We don't have that ability in mortality. So youth are in that process of defining those emotions within themselves. That process takes place during early to late teen years and even into early, early adulthood. While they are gaining experiences and feeling emotions, they may not even really have defined them or understood them. Teenage years are full of this development and it can be very bewildering and confusing to them. As we mature, as adults, we define our emotions and then we move into a process of refining rather than defining. So now let's take a teenager growing into a new and developing body and emotions and attempting to create a reality around new experiences, emotions, and feelings. One can see how quickly life can become confusing, troubling, and concerning. So many voices telling you how you should feel or defining what you should feel in a certain circumstance and within a particular context. These voices define reality for you. They are defining emotions and not only what you should feel or how you should feel, but if those feelings are right or wrong. As a parent and a mentor of youth, we should fully understand that youth are defining emotional experiences, not by knowledge, but by emotions embedded with the knowledge. This is why we so often speak of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit as critical to their development. The Spirit does something we cannot. The Spirit can transmit emotion and feeling to a person. While we can impart knowledge, the Spirit can connect that knowledge to an emotional experience. That is the key to understanding the mentoring of youth and parenting. The Gospel is structured around experience and emotion through personal revelation. We should not be training youth through a set of rules and regulations. I think that the Pharisees have taught that lesson well enough. Rules are important only in the context of experience and more maturity. Now, while children are very young, they do need some basic rules-based training. Because their experience is so lacking, they do not even understand the basic rules of safety, and their emotions are still developing. For instance, I'm not going to take my young grandson, walk him out to the front door to a busy intersection, and explain to him the complex rules of traffic patterns and how to cross the intersection safely. He has no experience or understanding with traffic and safety, or even any understanding of injury and death. So I keep the door and gate locked, and he only crosses the street with me for a time. Now as he grows, though, those rules have to give way to more complex principles and doctrines and allow for my grandson to apply the knowledge and gain experience. We tend to forget that as parents and leaders. Why? Because rules are easy and doctrine is hard. Rules are simple and provide for the desired outcome and result without thinking or experience. However, the gospel is not about rules, but applying doctrine to life's complexities. We need to teach youth how to apply doctrines and how to listen to the Spirit of the Lord. I have regularly been an advocate of a particular idea. I do not want perfect children. I want experienced children who understand the process of personal revelation and repentance. What do I mean by that? I feel that I have succeeded as a parent when my child recognizes they have sinned, progresses through the entire repentance process, and feels forgiven, and then they tell me about it afterwards. If my child can have a spiritual revelatory experience through repentance with the Savior and the Father without me, then I have done my job as a parent. 
Okay, there's probably a little bit more to being a parent. But when a child can accomplish this task, they understand the basic doctrine of the atonement and how to access it and experience it. You will not obtain that through a set of rules. That takes teaching the pure doctrine of the atonement and the doctrine of the gospel and allowing for our children to experience it. So now, why is this particular discussion of emotional experience so important? Because that is the key to understanding mental illness and how best to address it within the youth and young adults. Emotional illness is quite simply the body chemistry running outside of normal parameters. These youth are feeling emotions that are caused by an imbalanced chemistry rather than a normal functioning body and spirit. Boiled down to the very basic, what this means is that they are feeling and experiencing life through emotions that do not match with the experience. They are creating experiences with emotion and knowledge that should not be placed together. For instance, they may be attending church. For instance, attending church might be a little bit of an anxious experience for any youth, and that is to be expected. Church overall should be a positive experience with feelings of the spirit. However, if a youth is suffering from depression and is forced to attend church during their episodes without understanding they are suffering from an emotional illness, they can attach those dark and negative emotions brought about by depressions to church attendance. The same can be said for all religious experiences, such as reading scriptures, attending youth activities, and yes, even at times attending the temple. Their religious experience can become embedded with negativity and feelings associated with depression, and that type of experience can be very difficult to remove later in life. Our early experiences when we are defining and coming to understand our emotions are critical to the foundational emotions and experiences we have throughout our lives. That means that what we are experiencing as youth and young adults can stick with us for a very long time as part of our experience. I know this because I experienced it due to serious anxiety and bipolar. I had many difficult experiences with religious settings regularly as a youth and young adult. My, my young adult years, again, were also filled with very troubling emotions and attachment to what should have been positive church experiences. It has taken mountains of positive experience in my adult years to override those negative ones. And yet, I can still feel them once in a while. It is important to understand that the context of the experience was not negative in my youth. My leaders were wonderful. It was the illness that caused the negative emotions to embed within the experiences. My daughter also has had similar experiences, but she had the power of knowledge on her side. She had a diagnosis. This didn't change the emotions, but it did help define the experience in better ways. She also had a friend in high school when we were living in the Pacific Northwest where her friend was experiencing what might be termed serious issues with depression and anxiety. My daughter was quick to see the difficulties and that her friend needed some help. However, her parents were, let's say, non-believers as far as mental illness was concerned. They listed her issues as being dramatic or hormonal and she suffered greatly, especially in the context of church settings. Her parents were good members of the church. Her father had been a bishop and they had served in various callings. Her father was even a medical professional, but they continued to see their daughter's issues as just being dramatic. This is the pro history problem that we face as leaders and parents who have observed our youth for a significant period of time. 
Because emotional illness often occurs slowly, almost imperceptibly, we as leaders and parents can get caught in the trap of seeing our youth's emotional difficulties as normal teenage issues. We can get caught in the history of it, saying, nothing significant has changed. She's always been this way. She just needs to get to work and get things, and things will work out for her. We never easily see the moment when typical teenage emotional difficulties become mental and emotional illness. Unfortunately, no specific sign exists to tell us when it is time to get them some help. The reality is, is that most parents and leaders are surprised by a suicide attempt or other dramatic events. That is due to this problem of history. My daughter and I could easily see this young person needed help, and she herself expressed this to her parents who again wouldn't really listen to her pleadings. Now, I'm not sure why they would not listen. Sometimes, many times, it is difficult for parents to hear that their perfect son or daughter needs therapy, counseling, and maybe even some medication. Some don't believe that mental illness really exists, and others believe that their youth just need to make some spiritual changes. I am not entirely sure that the reason matters as to why. The result, however, is likely to be one of two events. Because spiritual experiences that should have been positive now resonate with negativity, the child will eventually drift and leave the church experience behind for a period of time. When experiences cause you, to, cause you seriously emotional pain, you tend to avoid the places and people where those experiences occurred, especially when you do not possess the necessary context to explain them. And the second event is often far more devastating, a suicide attempt. Ignoring the signs and symptoms of mental illness during formative years of spiritual development is like sending those wonderful youth into really the very jaws of hell. Lucifer's playground is filled with individuals who did not receive the help they needed. So what can we do as parents and leaders? The first and most important is always a diagnosis. Understanding why you feel the way you do and why you feel things so differently than other people is critical to providing a necessary context. A diagnosis provides understanding when emotions do not match what others appear to be experiencing and why gospel teachings are not providing those positive experiences. Now, a diagnosis did not suddenly change my life, but it gave understanding to my experiences. With understanding, I could to begin to rewrite the experiences over time. It is absolutely critical that youth and young adults who suffer obtain a diagnosis as early as possible. Now, I grew up in a time when that would not have occurred because mental illness was just beginning to be diagnosed in young people. Now, you say, I'm not a doctor. How would I know when someone has a mental illness or emotional difficulty? If you only have incidental contact with a young person, then I would probably agree with you because society requires us to look and feel a certain way. And this is especially true in a religious setting. Youth with emotional struggles will learn to impersonate how a normal young person appears on the outside who is happy. They learn to excuse me, they learn to imitate happiness, how they are to look and act as a way of avoiding greater negativity in their lives. We call this masking. It is a coping mechanism common to almost all individuals who struggle with mental illness. We use it to avoid questions and standing out. We all want to fit in as teenagers and belong. Our mental illness makes us feel as though we are a red stain on a white shirt. So you will have to get to know your young people in your life more than just a passing how are you doing. 
Masking only comes down, comes down when you are a trusted individual. When youth can trust you, those masks will fade and you will be able to see what is truly happening in their life. Second, if you are a parent or a called leader, you have the right to revelation for them and to understand when something is amiss in their life. The Spirit is not likely going to tell you, hey, your daughter is struggling with depression, or hey, the young man in your priest quorum is struggling with serious anxiety. That's just not how the Lord works. But He can tell you that something is wrong and you can begin to discover the issue. It is also important to understand many of the signs associated with mental illness. I will mention a few here and you can also look them up on various websites. Too often though we miss mental illness because it doesn't fit neatly into a set of parameters that we think it should or because we are too focused on history. A depressed person can be frequently frustrated or angry. They can also be physically sick regularly, meaning physical symptoms such as stomach, a headache, body aches, or other symptoms. We normally think about the symptoms such as being reserved, not wanting to talk, negative all the time, tired and without energy, or lacking desire for anything, including hobbies they once enjoyed. The problem is that mental illness is likely to look different for each young person, especially when the combination of illnesses occurs, such as in my personal case with serious anxiety and bipolar disorder. Often depression and anxiety come together and create a mixture of symptoms. What is important is to note when a youth doesn't respond in a way that you would expect. Now, youth will regularly go through emotional struggles as part of the learning process. That's part of life. But when those issues hang around for weeks and months, then you should definitely check in with them on a deeper level and try to understand what is happening. With a solid diagnosis, you can then work with the youth to improve their experiences. You don't have to be a psychologist and dig deep. You simply need to understand and listen. They often just need a listening heart and an understanding ear. Ask questions to understand them, not to preach the gospel to them or tell them what to do. Ask them questions, not about fact and events, but about how they feel in their experiences and allow them to vent. Youth will struggle to express what they feel because it is often new to them. And so helping them define what they feel can be very helpful. Understand that encouragement is good, but pushing too hard might cause some serious issues. The one thing that they don't need is an additional stress in their life. Try to reduce stress, not increase it. Now, be positive in your interactions. Individuals with emotional illness often use others' emotional exuberance to help their own. However, again, be cautious with this approach. When you are depressed and really struggling, being around very exuberant people can be difficult. It reminds us just how much happiness and energy we don't have. Now, I would say if you want to be, you want a good definition of the way to approach youth and young adults who struggle, then you should read Doctrine and Covenants 121, 41, and 42 you will see in those verses the type of individual who will provide the help that is needed. Finally, support the individual in the process of recovery with a professional. Mental health professionals are trained to provide support, brain training to individuals, and to help them to reestablish experiences with positive emotions. When suggesting a professional, or when looking for one as a parent, be picky. They are not all created equal, and even a good one might not mesh well with your youth. Make sure they understand the church's doctrines and religious beliefs, 
and that they are consistently providing support in spiritual and emotional ways. For many youth, young adults, medications will be necessary. Do not fear medications, just be patient with them. Strangely, while the chemistry of our bodies is very similar, not every medication works the same way for each person. It took me many years to find the right one that worked well for me. Please understand that it takes time to find the right balance of medication, therapy, spiritual counseling, personal revelation, and stress. Consistency is important as it reduces stress on the body when things are consistent and known. Create a consistent positive experience for them as they wrestle with their illness. Many times it will feel as though you are not making a difference, but I assure you that you are. Provide as many stress-free moments as you can. Do expect an in-depth do not expect an in-depth conversation when you talk with them. Depression and anxiety tend to cause individuals' brains and emotions to retract, and that will often cause them to avoid talking. What they need most often is love, not advice or preaching. They just need to know that someone is there and can help them when they need it. They will struggle deeply to hear the voice of the spirit, and it is important that they understand why. It is not because they are not worthy or unloved. It is because the Spirit speaks through emotion and feeling, and their illness affects the communication networks. The Lord loves them deeply, and He will show it in other ways so that they know it is Him, although you might need to help them recognize it. But I assure you that it is there. Now, I realize that I probably sounded a little preachy today, but believe me, for me, it is about being compassionate and feeling deeply for these youth. They are suffering in ways that one can only describe as the abyss of hell. The Savior is deeply concerned for them, and so am I. They need our help desperately. They need to know of the Savior and His mercies, love, and kindness. They need the Good Samaritan to come to their aid, lift them up, and carry them to another to care for them until they have healed. I hope that you will find it in your heart to seek after them as you are able. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do His.